Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome back. Episode two of the Pebble Report podcast, season 2022. Joined with the usual suspects from the Purple Road team. My name is Justin Wick. Joined alongside the legend K-Dub himself, Kenneth Weber. How are you? Good, Justin. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. I know this is an audio recording, but this is awesome because your cat is on the kitchen table right behind us. <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to be able to know this is happening. So I just needed to, I needed to appeal to the ears of our listeners to make sure that this is truly going down. Give it five Needless minutes, to the dog say, will show up. <laughs> <laughs> we have multiple visitors. We got the dog and the cat on K-Dub screen. We also have two of the finest gentlemen that I've had the privilege of meeting in Colorado Rockies media. Want to give a big shout out to our team, our crew members over at Blake Street Banter joining us on the program. Want to give a huge special welcome to Tyler Patter and Aaron McBride. So privileged to be able to make this happen. Aaron, I know that you're the East Coast guy, so we're keeping you up late right now. Our recording time is 8.30 Mountain Time. So it seems like Tyler, K-Dub, and I are at least surviving a little bit. Aaron, do we need to cut this? I mean, we're on a time constraint depending on when your bedtime is. Are you hanging in there? I mean, I think that ship has sailed. We are way past that that line. And anytime we talk prospects, I am down. This is This is always fun. It's always fun to listen to other views and talk talk ball. This is just sharing baseball stories is where it's at, man. We will take what we can get, my friend. Seriously, thank you guys for joining us. And Tyler, I know, I mean, you're a little bit more of the mountain time zone guy that we're working with. But, you know, thank you for making this happen. And, I mean, we have a lot of fun with this. So, Tyler, I got to open it up for you. The the New Mexico Lobo, as you mentioned, for those of you that haven't seen at this point, we just actually drafted over on Blake Street Banter's show. We put together an entire team, depending on all of Rocky's prospects. So picture your standard fantasy baseball draft, positions, you got to fill gaps and everything like this. 
we just drafted all four of us just put a team together and you know you're going to definitely want to check this out all of our purple row listeners if you're not listening to blake street banter already you're definitely going to want to check that out but tyler i got to roll it over to you who do you think you know your team's candidacy is there a leader in the clubhouse one of the four at this point or how are you feeling about your draft strategy here i mean i i think i kind of knocked it out of the park no <laughs> but <laughs> You know, it was kind of it was kind of bouncing back and forth. I, I you know, people come and tune in. Started off getting the youngins, you want upside, and then I had to bounce with with Colton Walker and Ryan Valade. So balance, that's that's you know my motto. So I think I got some balance there. You know, we get the job done. And I mean, it was a lot more strenuous than you might think because for the purpose of our draft, we went with one starting pitcher. So, I mean, I'm not going to give away this or I'm not going to spoil the results by any, by any means. You're going to have to tune into their pod. You're going to have to see what was going on. But take a look at the marquee starter that was not selected. You probably are familiar with his name if you happen to be tuning into a podcast dedicated to Colorado Rockies minor leaguers. All the more reason to go over it. I mean, you got to be the man in the arena if you're going to criticize the draft strategy, all right? You're going to be thinking, how the hell did any of us pass on this? But this is going to be a lot of fun. We broke it down, all kinds of stuff. And again, all of the good content that Blake Street Banter is putting together. We've wanted to do this for a while, having these guys on as guests. My guess would be that you guys might be recurring guests as the season goes on because, you know, you get a lot of bright minds with a lot of similar interests. And it's a whole lot of fun to be able to speak that to a greater audience and put some fantastic content together. So speaking of fantastic content, as far as I think that anybody in Colorado Rockies baseball right now knows the fantastic content that is stealing all of the headlines. For the sake of this, we are a minor league show. This is the Pebble Report podcast. However, we cannot be completely oblivious to the fact that Chris Bryant is now, for the next projectable seven years, assuming the duration of the contract is completed, Chris Bryant has made his way to Denver, Colorado. A lot of mixed emotions on this. People have different, I, I say mixed emotions. Me personally, I am elated because I think this is going to be a great pickup. It's different. It's something new. He's already won his championship, and now he's eager to, on his own, come to Colorado. So I do want to get that out there just because I feel like I need to at least share my perspective on this. But I do want to open this up to you guys because I feel like this conversation can't run itself. From the minor league standpoint, Nolan Arenado was very confined to third base. We knew that was where he was going to be. And we figured that for the foreseeable future, as long as he was in Colorado, there was nobody that was going to take that position from him. And rightfully so. That's the way it is. He fielded as well as he did. Chris Bryant is no longer locked into a certain position. We heard Bud Black talking about this week saying that he's most likely going to be manning left field, which creates a little bit of a shakeup as far as where the Rockies are in the outfield right now. But it doesn't create the logjam that realistically existed when Arenado was confined to one position. So I want to start at the top as far as what you guys have seen with Albuquerque. And I certainly don't mean to just pigeonhole this conversation because I get it's tough to balance sometimes with four different minds in this. But Kenneth, I want to give you kind of the spotlight as far as what do you think is the immediate transition? Where are we at at this point? Where do we see the landscape? And what are we looking for as far as the upper levels of the minors because of this deal? Well, I think outfield is where he has to make the most sense. And it's interesting when you look at Chris Bryant. First, just resume alone, it doesn't get much better when you have Rookie of the Year, MVP, World Series champion. So just on the Rockies fan level, this is a very exciting player to be adding into the fold. But when you look at the Rockies' current roster, um, 
the best way that I described it is this is uh, kind of an organization that has too many corner pieces already infield and out of field. And they added the Megatron of corner pieces <laughs> in Chris Bryant. So he's going to make the most sense for um, left field can shift into right field and, you know, pinch in a spot at third and first. But I think that predominantly the corner outfield side is what's going to be um, affected the most in terms of the Rockies minor leaguers coming up. Uh, when you look at Albuquerque, when you look at Hartford, um, you know, those were two of the thinner teams in the system last year. And I think outfield is a part of that thinness. So when you talk about um, Sean Bouchard, maybe this is someone that could have this signing could have an impact on his path to playing time in the future. Um, but the nice part about Bryant is there's going to be the flexibility to move him around depending on who proves themselves to be a major league caliber player in the future. And so Bryant can kind of shift off, but in the immediate impact, those corner outfield guys like Bouchard, uh, this might present a bit of a roadblock for them. You know, Aaron and Tyler, I don't want to direct the conversation too much for you guys because I know you got all kinds of great ideas that I don't want to slow the momentum by any means. But when you look at this, I mean, at least your initial reactions as far as a prospect perspective, what was your what was the what was the perspective? What was the initial shock value or what was the prospect considerations? I think as considering we're, we're sitting here on this Rockies prospect podcast, seeing this news go down, there were a lot of, you know, it was like a traffic jam kind of going through my mind. Like as K-Dub mentioned, there's so many corner prospects, you know, corner outfield, corner infield in this system. And like so many of them are going to be pushed down a little bit below the water. Um, and so I, I think the first thing that really came to mind for me was Ryan Valade because he's kind of taken on this Chris Bryant defensive profile. Like they shared the exact same defensive profile. So I think coming into spring training without Chris Bryant on the roster, it was like, oh, Ryan Vallade is is set to get a lot of innings at left field, maybe some at third base this season. And now I think those are all but sapped up, uh, especially given that his bat hasn't been quite as as electric as, um, you know, Montero or um, Colton Welker. So that's kind of the first thing that comes to mind is Ryan Vallade. This is this is tough for him. Uh, he must have kind of banged his fist on his desk when he heard that Chris Bryant was coming to Colorado. For me, it was Montero. I'm just big on Montero. He's got the big bat, the big profile. He has the skill that will play at the next level. And I was banking on seeing him in purple pinstripes in 22, at least for the second half of the season at some point. But here we are because Welker, I feel like Welker's in front of Montero, Valade's in front of Welker. Like we have this list of guys that are next, let alone the pitchers that are going to be called up here and out. So I just feel bad for Montero, but, and I really just want Montero to come back, going back to what you started this whole thing about with Arenado, right? Like he came in the Arenado trade. So he's kind of got this pressure on him and, like, can he perform? Can he and Gomber make that that no, not a void be filled? And I wanted that to happen. But now I got to wait a little bit, which is fine because KB is dope. But 
I wanted more Montero in my life, but we're just going to have to wait a little bit longer. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. This is something that I never really framed it like this, but, you know, it's kind of a negative connotation when you bring in a tenured big leaguer when we talk prospects. Like, here it is. We're right. familiar, at least with this program. We know all about the guys that are in our own system, but we now all of a sudden we bring in a former MVP and it's like we're going to be stuck with these guys in the minors, which isn't bad. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like covering the guys that we cover. But it's funny to twist this. Because, I mean, you're not going to hear this on any other show, of course, because nobody's <laughs> going to be really talking about this in the mainstream media. But I think that was kind of the funny context that I really became aware of is recognizing that, you know, no matter what, when you do have a star like this, it does kind of create a log jam. I was optimistic to realize that it wasn't as big of a corner infield log jam. And just like you guys have mentioned with a lot of those players, it's nice that some of them are going to have a little bit more opportunity, maybe Ryan Valade pending at this point, of course. But I suppose another way that I kind of want to frame this and another thing that I wanted to open up for you guys, I had a whole whirlwind of thoughts, as did everybody, trying to piece together the context of this. And something that stood out for me was, you know, this is a seven-year deal. This is, I mean, first of all, the fact that he's willing to come in after all of the winning success that he has had. You know, that's a long time to commit yourself to an organization that, Let's let's call it as it is. The Rockies haven't necessarily won a whole lot in the last several years. So something that I think that we've kind of reached a level of consensus, recognizing that the Rockies are a little bit more of a bottom heavy organization as far as the crop that we have in Fresno is a contingency that could really be making a lot more noise than, you know, I think the win loss record in Hartford alone kind of spoke for the gap that we have between single a ball and double a ball at this point so recognizing that this is a seven-year deal it's starting to push the territory of zach veen will projectably share a field with chris bryant as will benny montgomery as could potentially drew romo so i want to kind of get your thoughts about you know we've locked him up for as long as we have and that starts to put his name on the back half of that contract in what could realistically be the prime years of these prospects that we cover so is this, I realize I'm kind of throwing this on you guys and I don't mean to pigeonhole this conversation too much, but from a prospect standpoint, recognizing that we have him for this long, what was kind of your initial perspective, your initial thoughts on this? And is there any way to frame this in any good or bad way? What, what can we kind of make out of this? Justin, I, you know, no, go ahead. Go ahead. You, you blew my mind though, Justin. I, you know, I've been so caught up in the moment with this signing that thinking <laughs> about Chris Bryant and Zach Veen, you know, sharing opposite corners, it's it's kind of crazy to think of. I, that that I had not gotten that far yet. Um, but it'd be cool if, if Chris Bryant is kind of you know passes the torch on eventually. We we've talked about that so many times in Rockies history, you know, um, especially in in recent years. You you had Helton, you had Tulo kind of cargo cargo was kind of sandwiched between Tulo and, and Nolan. Um, there's just been so much torch passing. And so to think about Chris Bryant, if things go well over these next seven years is him being, you know, that guy to hand it over to Zach Veen. That's kind of cool to think about. So that's sort of where I'm at. Right, right on par. What, to what I was about to say is I'm big on this spin that this is perfect because KB is going to be here in three or four years where we're seeing all our crop producing at a major league level. That's our window. Like we're not winning this year. We're not winning next year. We are three or four years away. Right. 
we have those guys that are coming and KB is going to be the heart of it. He's going to be the Chuck. He's going to be the Helton of that next up and coming crew. And you have Benny, Veen, Tovar, Romo, Montero. Like you have these studs with the starting pitcher crop that we have going. So I, I want to say the Rockies had a plan going into this and I am going all in on that spin. I am here for that spin and I'm probably wrong, but, that's my spin. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, toss one more thing in real quick. I think Chris Bryant in a way chose Denver because it's a, a really wonderful city to raise a family. He had a kid in 2020. So I think he's going to be fathering not only his, his son, but you know, the Rockies prospects. So I think this was just a great opportunity for him to come in as like a father figure. It's there's, there's a lot of good things to look at this signing. Um, but I think you have to, to at least the way that I put it in my head, you cut it into two halves. Um, we, we talked about Belade, Welker and Montero and the Rockies already had a precarious situation with those three before you add Chris Bryant into the mix. So when you're looking at the near term future, um, this is, I think what it all works out forcing the Rockies hands to kind of manage this roster and this organization a little bit more than they have um, because they just fall into a bad habit of assuming things will fix themselves. And then all of a sudden it turns into a three-year losing streak. And so now this is going to kind of force the Rockies um, to start making some hard choices around Chris Bryant because they committed to this relationship with the player while also recognizing that, really the brightest part of this of the Rockies organization is in those three to four years, as Aaron mentioned, I think, you know, they might be thinking they can compete now. You, you have the Dodgers just right over there <laughs> and everybody's looking at the Dodgers for major league baseball, not even just the NL West. And that's the envy of the league. And they know that that's what they have to compete with. So it's a pretty tall mountain. They have to climb to get there, but there is hope on the horizon. And I think just to surmise um, kind of what we've been talking about, in my head, Chris Bryant takes over Charlie Blackman's role as, as the veteran, as the ambassador a little bit, I think is, is what the mentality is for this organization. And I think that you're going to have a few guys start trickling in, in the, of, of who's going to be those big-time prominent future pieces. Um, we'll see it with maybe Montero, maybe Toglia, um, you'll start seeing someone like McMahon and Rollison um, within the next two years reaching the major leagues. And Bryant is going to be there for the start of that, while also being kind of at the end of what those 17 and 18 teams were, because who knows what the future is for Freeland and Marquez. Sensatella is locked up, but you know, once you get past Freeland and Marquez, 17 and 18 becomes a very distant memory the further out we get from DJ and from Story and from Arenado. So uh, he's the bridge, really, to the future, I feel like. And um, it's going to force them to kind of start making some plans around him. And so that's, you know, the, the positive that I take away from the whole thing. You know, I really like that context. And I think that was kind of the awakening side of, you know, when you start recognizing huge contracts, I understand you hear the year total and you hear the dollar total. And when you're a prospect type of reporter, or a prospect type of fan, you start recognizing that when these big, huge, lengthy contracts of the sake of seven years really get thrown down, that's when you start trying to look at, you know, 
you start comparing the big league ETAs versus where you look, these guys are going to have the duration of these contracts. So it's interesting as far as trying to put that context together and then recognize, you know, the clubhouse that they are essentially going to be welcomed into. And this is something that, I mean, I'd love to hear your guys take on this, Aaron and Tyler. This is, I understand, I don't want to talk too much on the big league side of things because this is, of course, a minor league show. And you've already heard at this point plenty of the big league conversation. But, you know, the way that I always viewed the Rockies in the latter half of the Nolan Arenado era was when he wanted to win as badly as he did and the team was continually underperforming in 2019 and 2020, it just left a sour taste as far as I can only imagine if you were lacing up your spikes next to Nolan Arenado and you were one of those underperformers, you couldn't help, but you know, you're riding on the bus to an airport and you don't really, you kind of just want to fade off into the mist. You don't want to be seen. You don't want to be seen laughing, having a good time about it because you know, your underperformance is essentially the reason that the star is unhappy. So that's not to say there's anything wrong with Arenado being unhappy. And of course we don't need to go down that road by any means, but Chris Bryant has his ring. He has his MVP. He has everything that you, I mean, this is something that I I put on Twitter the other day going, even if he wins a world series in Colorado, how is that going to compare to breaking the 100 year drought of the Chicago Cubs type of thing? So twisting it in, in where I was going with this in a prospect type of conversation, you have guys that are making their big league debuts that are no longer walking into a clubhouse where Arenado is, ha- is unhappy with underperformance. And, you know, the point being, if you're making your big league debut with that type of clubhouse of just the subliminal feeling of, I need to play really well to support our guy, that all of a sudden creates a whole warped perspective as far as now Chris Bryant's going to come over by all intents and purposes, he seems like a great dude. I've never met him, but I mean, everything that I'm hearing is that he's a good dude. You know, it seems like it's going to be a lot more welcoming, a lot more inviting. And I think this could inevitably turn into kind of a trickle down effect at this point. So I guess what I kind of want to open up to you guys is one, does it really matter? Because, you know, these guys in low A and high A that are presumably the top of the line guys that we have, it's going to take them a while to get there anyways. Or is that something that can kind of create just an entire organizational shift? So I guess kind of the question being, is this something that's going to create a residual effect through the entire level of the minors? Or is this something that just means business as usual for these guys? I, I certainly hope that it, as you mentioned, I, I hadn't really thought too much about the fact that even though, you know, Nolan was upset with, with the team building, it came down to young guys not you know, filling big shoes. Now you don't have this really intense presence. And, and, you know, like you said, there was nothing wrong with who Nolan was. I think we all love him for that, for being so intense. You replace that intensity with, from what I gather about Chris Bryant, one of the most just like gentle people that might put a lot of guys at ease and just kind of make the, the culture of the Rockies a little bit more like, I guess more fun. And is that what you want? I guess you kind of have to grapple with that. Do you want more fun or do you want more seriousness? I think you can, you know, succeed either way. Just kind of depends on the guys you've got. So it's kind of an interesting lens to look at things. Right on that. Go look at Spokane last year. They were having fun. They came out of nowhere. They were terrible in April and May. Terrible. And then they figured it out and they were having a blast. And it was, they were saying like, it's very Rocktober-like, like, you just next guy was up and, and Rockies fans are 
they hate that for some reason like that we had rocktober and we feel bad for like having fun and playing to fun and just counting on the guy next to me and that just for whatever reason it just feels like rockies fans as a whole hate that idea but i as a culture you played ball right justin you coach right k-dub you're around the baseball team down in uh new mexico so like there's that clubhouse field does have a big part of it and these guys are playing together on the way up last thing you want to do is you and your buddy that have been playing and having fun and figured out how to talk to each other when things are bad 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 and then you got the big guy next to you grumpy gills star and you have to figure out how to be around that personality it's it's difficult it's different and I'm sure you both have seen it. I'm sure Tyler has seen it. Like I see it when, when I was coaching, it's a whole thing. And it does take a toll on the, on the mental when you're playing. So I think there is something to say about KB being that open arms, friendly dude with these guys that are coming up and having a good time and figuring it out. And there is something to say to that. Yeah. And I mean, none of us are going out and getting beers with Chris Bryant. So we're not having, you know, the, <laughs> the direct conversations about, Oh, just how lovable and cuddly Chris Bryant is from firsthand experience. Um, Have you seen his eyes though? His no, eyes he is dreamy. Dream. I don't need, like, come on now. I don't need to be across the bar to admire. <laughs> He's a good that. looking dude. Let's just call <laughs> him what it is. He is uh team male model as, as DNVR would put it. Um, you know, there's, there's plenty that, is going to play out that you can compare the Chris Bryant years to the Arenado years. And that's essentially kind of what we're driving at. Um, one thing that I'm excited about is his experience in the game is very unique. And there is a certain level of dealing with greatness, with failure, with, with just kind of the real highs and lows that major league baseball offers that Chris Bryant can give insight to that. Not many teams have that type of guy on their roster. And so um, in my head, I keep on thinking about how the Rockies intentionally left Zach Veen and Drew Romo in Fresno, making sure they're playing competitive games late in the season and trying to build that culture at the ground floor. Well, by the time that those guys go through those experiences and play those games and have that atmosphere, now they make it up to Coors Field. And guess what? Chris Bryant was the face of the team that ended a 108-year drought. Maybe Zach Veen pops off. Chris Bryant was the rookie of the year. Chris Bryant was the MVP the following year. There's a certain level of having handled success that he offers that I think at least is going to be um, a very good guidance and and veteran presence that these guys will be able to learn under. So um, I think that's just one aspect outside of the personality that you can expect by adding Chris Bryant to the clubhouse. I think a good way I kind of like to think of it, and I mean, for any college football fans out there, it's the Arenado Bryant comparison. It really reminds me to the Dabo Sweeney versus the Nick Saban comparisons as far as you know, it's a definitely a contrasting type of thing. It's not to say any of them is right and wrong all of the time, but I think it is fun to recognize that the Colorado Rockies are going through a similar perspective of exactly what's going on there. Or at least that's what we can kind of presume. And it's fun to see that there is a cultural shift that is probably going to create some level of residual effect throughout the minor leagues. 
So it's going to make it all that more interesting to be following along all of these prospects that are inevitably going to get their turn to be able to suit up in these big league type of settings. And it's going to make for a whole lot of fun to follow this along. It's going to hopefully lead to a whole lot more viewers on our part, which I think everybody would be fired up about that. But again, all the more reason to be fired up about following Colorado Rockies prospects. Of course, here on the Pebble Report, always want to give some love to our crew over at Blake Street Banter, of course. If you haven't checked them out, make sure you're checking them out. You always want to see this. Gentlemen, we're going to take a short break, but if you want to stick around, by all means, we need to talk a little bit more time-sensitive talk, which is talking about fifth starters which we happen to have some new names in the fold. So if you guys are cool sticking around a little bit, we'll take a brief break. But coming up, we're going to go over all of the cool details about a guy named Chad Cool, which could probably be at the big leagues. A guy named Ty Block, which could be in the big leagues, could be in AAA. We've got a little bit of shakeup going on at the top level, and we're back in. It seems like this is always a thing with the Rockies, man. Everybody, we, there's always this instability of a fifth starter that we don't really know is going to be coming together. But we're going to break it all down coming up here in a moment. Don't go anywhere. Thank you for joining us. You are listening to the Pebble Report Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pebble Report podcast, joined by the good folks of Blake Street Banter. We've got Aaron and Tyler sticking around, talking all kinds of fifth starter business. You know, the initial reactions, we've had plenty of signings at this point. Ty Block was a minor league signing that the Rockies are presumably going to start in AAA. We've lost the Chichi Gonzalez safety net, which I don't know if I don't know how to respectfully put this. I don't know how much of a safety net that started to become at a certain degree of time. He also signed with the Twins today. I'm very excited for him, and that's a pretty cool setting to be able to get going. So anyways, I want to open this up to you guys as far as what is the current stake. And Aaron and Tyler, I'll let you guys battle it out for the first word, I guess. But what was kind of your initial reaction when we had these couple of signings together? And what do you see that pitching staff in Albuquerque is going to start looking like? I think, you know, Albuquerque is going to be the beneficiary of that Chad Cool signing. You know, we knew the Rockies were in that fifth starter market, but it didn't seem like a certainty they were going to tap into it. So now you keep, you know, as we were talking about earlier with, with Chris Bryant, you're keeping some prospects underneath the water uh, as of now. And under the water is Albuquerque. So they're going to get the beneficiary. They're going to see, you know, one of the Ryans at least, at least Feltner or Rollison, um, and Ty Block, you know, he pitched really well today. Two innings, four Ks, no hits, no walks. You know, he's kind of making a push for himself. I think he's really on the outside looking in, but it's cool to have, you know, names besides Chi-Chi Gonzalez. I, for one, am going to be fairly stoked. Again, how do I put this respectfully? Not seeing the name Derek Rodriguez. Uh, <laughs> just these guys that are just, just kind of roster fillers, you know, they, they're, they are out there. They are a thing. Like it was dry, drier state. I don't know the word. It was rough out there. We're going to go that route. When we had to look for that fifth starter, when Feltner got called up, like there was nobody at isotopes to call up because ballooning ERAs, but you, with these signings, I, you got a feel for these guys that have been grinding like the Frank Duncans, the Ryan Rollinson, like you just said, 
um, the Jose Mujica's that has has a little taste. Santos has a little taste, but hasn't really figured it out. Like you got to feel for those guys a little bit. So I I love the tie block signing. There's a little personal background there. His parents and my parents are kind of friends, so <laughs> that's kind of cool. Um, had that, uh, but I don't know. <laughs> just it's just the name of the game. No more chichi choo choos. Who is going to be that that fifth starter coming in? And it's just going to be a revolving door. I kind of hope it's like a revolving door. So we get a taste of these guys and just seeing who can step up and be that guy. Yeah, I, I think for everybody can have their individual preference. Um, but I think that it it's it's speaking to a much larger issue, which is pitching depth that just has not been present for the Rockies for such a long time um, that does it end up being cool? Does it end up being block? Is Rollison ready? Is Feltner for real after he turned that corner? Um, you know, it's the it's a bit of an open-ended question. I think spring training is meant for those type of battles, but I'm a lot more excited to have a few more names in the mix. And I think it was very sorely needed in this organization for a long time um, that you can have your preference, you can have your pick and the fact that there is somebody else in line instead of pretty much just keeping your fingers crossed that Ryan Castellani figures it out, which was the plan for basically three years. Um, it's a much healthier state to be in at the very least. So that's, that's the benefit of all of this is you might not know who the guy is, but you have multiple names in the bucket. And if not, they're in reserve if something else goes wrong. So it's a, it's a much better place right now for the team. I think those are all respectable takes to put together. And, you know, for the record, you know, you never like seeing somebody lose their job. So, I mean, of course, I think that goes without saying. And, I mean, there's never a negative context talking about, you know, without Derek Rodriguez in the mix. It does provide, you know, call it what it is, somewhat of a breath of fresh air, recognizing that, you know, you start circulating some new names through that have the opportunity to take advantage of some new opportunities at this point, which is exactly the case with what the Rockies are going through. Aaron, you brought up a good point talking about Jose Mejica. That's one that just stuck out to me that I'm going, that's like the most unfortunate type of thing when he was rushed in with the COVID year and then post Tommy John surgery. But I mean, that's, that's the nature of the business. That's the way it works. And I mean, it's just the unfortunate reality to where you can be so close and almost over the hump and it just continues to kind of take its toll on it, no matter how close you are. It's, you never really know how close you are until you actually get the call type of thing. And that's what's, definitely when you're knocking on the door of a triple a rotation so as far as what you would like to see and i mean i definitely the kind of the go around of what the blake street banter crew they talk about their guys who is your guy and this is something that i really love that you guys are really featuring and i mean especially the storylines but if we look at these fifth starter candidates of where they're in the mix whether or not they start in albuquerque or whether or not they actually round out the big league roster i'll start with you guys first who is your guy in this mix I, I'm going to go first. Uh, Frank Duncan, he is a of friend course. of the pop. He there is my our guy. guy. <laughs> uh, but his his story is so cool. And he's had the ups. He was so close like five years ago. He was playing indie ball. He signed. He did fantastic things in 2021. And he's got the stuff to be there. He's got the mental grind to be there. So like when, when they signed cool, I felt a little for Frank. Like he was, he's knocking on that door. So I'm, I'm rooting for Frank. I want to see that dude in purple pinstripes in 2022. And I got to say, I, I kind of like Chad cool. I wrote like a quick article for, for on the Blake street banner site 
right after. I think there's some positive things with his pitch characteristics that might work better with the Rockies in their pitching philosophy. But otherwise, I got to go with Ryan Feltner. You know, I actually did a report on him for Prospects Live and looking into his stuff, into the the StatCast, or not StatCast, TrackMan data, I was kind of intrigued to see, you know, how ahead his changeup really was in the minors. Also to see that, you know, he was throwing on average three miles per hour faster with his fastball at the beginning of the season than, you know, when we saw him in, in purple. So I think that he has a great chance to bounce back in, you know, in spring training early season and, and be an impact guy. I think there's three really good pitches there that, that could, you know, have him being an above average fifth starter. Uh, I'll throw just Ryan Rollison. I think he's been bred to, to be the next starter. Um, last year was a, a tough lost year for him. A lot of bad luck in his situation, but, you know, pitched well um, in winter ball. I think he's just going to be hungry and this is the guy they've conditioned for that spot all along. So why not buy stock? You know, how soon we forget about a guy like Ryan Rollison. How crazy is this too? I mean, I think the surreal part of it is recognizing, you know, in 2020, I remember it was toyed around. Is there an opportunity that he was going to get called up as a reliever to really give the Rockies that left-handed base that they needed? And then, of course, appendicitis sidelines at this point. And you never really know. It seems like it's just been a revolving door of now two years at this point that we think that it's going to happen with a guy like him. But again, you guys bring up great points and especially recognizing that, you know, the ceiling for a guy like Ryan Feltner, where he's at. The experience for a guy like Frank Duncan, assuming that there's actually an opportunity that he gets up there. It's really fun to be able to recognize the different, I mean, just the simple storylines, which of course, that's why so many of us, ourselves included, are so enamored with the minor league landscape is because you do really never know what you're going to run into. But at the same time, you never know the guests that you're going to run into on the Pebble Report podcast, of course. So needless to say... I got to open this up for a little bit of FaceTime to my guys, Aaron and Tyler of Blake Street Banter. You know, tell us where we can find you. Tell us all the good stuff that you guys are doing. Again, I'll let you guys battle it out for who wants to go first. But who do you guys want to talk about right here? Uh, we we just started this. So me and my buddies, uh, high school buddies, started this in the COVID year. Hey, let's start a pod. And then it turned into, all right, let's see who, if we can get anybody to talk to us. And we did and we've just been having a really good time tyler joined us he reached out to us hey can i write for you hey let's get you on a pod and here we are talking to you guys um pretty much the epitome of the rockies goal of content right so talking to the pebble report dogs and it's just it's been a ride find us at blake street banter on twitter um blake street banter on instagram and we find us on any of your pod platforms. Um, we do have a YouTube channel also. Just Blake's Rebanter. Just type it in there. Um, if you want a sticker, holler. Our sticker fiasco was fun, so you can get caught up on that. <laughs> <laughs> you got to check out the multiple sizes of stickers that we've got man. going on right there. You guys said it best. I love it. Seriously, thank you guys for joining us. And on behalf of our whole crew, my name is Justin Wick. My co-host, K-Dub, you want to show some love really Yeah, fast? no, I just want to reiterate, check out Blake's Rebanter especially if you're a prospect fan and you follow us, uh, they do a tremendous job and they do uh, a lot of interviews with players too. So um, can't say, can't recommend them highly enough. Check them out. Really appreciate that. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. That's what it's about. We will definitely do this again. And in the meantime, thank you guys for joining us on behalf of all the good folks at Purple Row and Blake Street Banter. My name is Justin Wick. Thank you for tuning in to the Pebble Report podcast. Let's play ball.